hello, hello, and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are you all? What's going on, Charlie? How are you? I'm pretty good. I am excited to actually learn a bit learn. today, you know, which is weird for me because usually I just want to like talk shit. and um, About things you don't understand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah most. Uh, this time I'm happy to listen because we're going to be talking about something that is not really my forte. Yes. But- and on that note, Sandra, introduce our guest for tonight. We have the YouTuber Forgotten Relics joining us today. Forgotten Relics is a YouTuber who mostly talks about animation. And now Charlie and I couldn't draw a stick figure if you paid us. So look, it doesn't run in the family. I have to say any kind of artistic. <laughs> it's not- Forgotten Relics. How are you, mate? I'm going well. Thanks for um, the invite. First podcast as well. So oh, wow. very excited. And it's an Aussie one. So, you know, even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fellow Aussie anime fan. So why don't you just tell everyone who might not be aware, tell everyone what your channel's about, what you do, and just introduce yourself to to the show. Okay. So as he said, um, Forgotten Relics, I mainly do animation breakdowns and just anything, honestly, animation related or art related. I am Dragon Ball. Well, was Dragon Ball focused, but now I'd cover a bit of everything now. So what started you in on this? Like was, was Dragon Ball Z your gateway to anime? Yeah, very much was. Although if I'm being very honest, I think actually the very first anime I watched was Pokemon mm-hmm. back in 2011. But Dragon Ball sort of came on later. And I think that's when I really, really got wrapped up in anime. I guess it just sort of went from there. <laughs> <laughs> As it did for most of us uh, in this in this game. But so animation. So you obviously are very experienced in this field. What is your primary form of artistic expression as, a, as an artist? Are you, do you hand draw? Are you a painter? What's your, what's your background? Yeah, I I mainly do just illustration. Mm -hmm. Um, I have dabbled a bit in painting, like with digital media and whatnot, but yeah, for myself, it's mainly just illustration, the old tablet, um, on Photoshop used to do traditional art, but sort of moved away from that. That's a bit, that's a bit more expensive, especially with the Copic markers. Um, Artists, artists will understand that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Both Charlie and I looking at you blankly with. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there will, will be like, yeah, yeah, no, Copic markers will yeah. have you say them are pretty, yeah, they get up there. And so where did you first discover Dragon Ball Z? So you're saying 2011. So you weren't part of the cheese TV world, Ooh. which is what we okay. our age. Well, if I'm honest, Dragon Ball Z, I came was a bit later. So it was about 2015. So I'm exposing wow. myself here. I haven't been watching it since the 2000s. Like some people might think I do. <laughs> no, it, it all started with, I think I was in, in class. I had two friends and one, the other was showing one, like an episode. It was early Dragon Ball. So not Dragon Ball Z. Mm. I think it was like episode six, oh, wow. I think. Bulma and um, Yamcha just like being in the little spaceship thing. They crash in a tree. I, I can like remember it pretty well and i was like oh what's this and he's like oh this is dragon ball such and such and i was like i need a show to get into um you know where do i watch and i think i used to watch on dragonballclub.com or something <laughs> it's been taken down now yep. but uh, for, for reasons no surprise mm-hmm. but um yeah it just sort of like went from there i think i watched like maybe three episodes the first night really enjoyed it just yeah and i just became addicted to it loved it and then z and then z was just like even another level again then there was gt and that was that was a bit that was kind of depressing but then we had super and that that was a bit better so (laughs) yeah i guess it turned out good in the end it's certainly been a journey for dragon ball but i mean it really is so incredibly iconic i mean the, the art style you could argue is truly one of the most iconic art styles of any piece of media ever made really i mean it, yeah for sure it brought jap i mean of course there was Films in the 80s beforehand, but Dragon Ball came out in 1984. 
And it's obviously a huge reason why the West managed to get across anime. So from an art style perspective, what was it that Toriyama did differently to what the West was doing at the time? Why do you think it actually became such a phenomenon? It obviously didn't happen really till the 90s, but what 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 do you think so special yeah, about his yeah. artist? Well, I think it's um his very opposite approach. Like everything he does, if you like uh, read his interviews, he's always trying to subvert readers' expectations. And I think that really does come down even to his art style itself. If you look at his designs at the time and you look at the manga that was coming out in the 80s, you, you look like this is the North Star and whatnot. It's just these very muscular, detailed characters. And then you have Toriyama who has just like these little simply drawn blob characters. <laughs> like it, it's like a complete 180 to everything that was kind of popular at the time. And I think that made it stand out not only in the West, but in Japan as well. Yeah, I, I think it's just his adherence to simplicity and just a, I don't know, a really good design sense. There's something about his art. And I've like read interviews uh, with other animators and whatnot that have worked on the show. They all sort of like said the same that they just want to see more of his work. Like, like there's something exciting about it. And yeah, I don't know. Out of all the anime like I've watched, I, I always get eager whenever I see a new Toriyama design. It's incredibly interesting because I guess for me, when I found Dragon Ball Z and like along with Pokemon, they're, you know, same time, Sailor Moon as well, of course, the other big one, also, also by the same animation, you know, Toei, uh, Toei, I can never pronounce that exactly correct. But of course, the big animation production studio who, of course, brought the manga to life. Also, of course, responsible for One Piece, Sailor Moon, Slam Dunk is another one. So a huge anime production studio. But I guess just the storytelling as well, right? Like, I think we talk a lot about this, about like why anime happened to, what, why do people watch it, right? Because initially cartoons were, especially in the 80s, right, for kids. That's all that it was considered. And Dragon Ball, while of course still a shonen anime and aimed at kids, it had was one of the first shows, I think, to serialize. So to actually have a progressive storyline as opposed to just pure episodic episodes where things happen and then it goes back to normal and starts again. So I think just from a storytelling perspective, it blew my mind. I remember going to school back in the day and talking to all my friends, being like, oh my God, dude, like, did you see it? He's up. He's up to nine thousand. You know, like just it was such a phenomenon. And I guess you obviously <laughs> got into it a bit later. But did you have that same experience? Was it one of those things that just moved you, not just from an artistic perspective, but from a storytelling perspective? Yeah, for sure. A lot of people like rag on the story. They're like, oh, um, yeah, like everyone's like, oh, we we watch Dragon Ball for the fights. But I'm like, no, I, I like the story. Like, I think it's good. <laughs> um, even though I don't go into as much on my channel, I, I generally do like it. Toriyama's style is very simple. Some people might say basic and surface level, but I, I think it's just really simple and easy to follow. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. Absolutely. Like I've read interviews of other manga authors like Ma Masashi Kishimoto of Naruto. And um, you just listen to them describe like when they were reading Dragon Ball and they often refer to it as like the golden years and whatnot. So they very much had a passionate thing as well for it. It wasn't just us Aussies over here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, obviously the big three of anime and manga, of course, One Piece, Bleach, uh, Naruto. Uh, many, it's funny, so, man, so many times we, we've put up a bunch of different things. Some people are like, what do you mean Dragon Ball Z is part of the big three? It's like, no, that's the godfather. You know, that's like the progenitor of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, it's the godfather. You know, it's, it really is. I mean, of course, if you, if you want to dive further back, it's obviously um, – Astro Boy, of course, is the actual, you know, Osama Tezuka is the godfather of anime. Um, 100%. Oh, for sure, yeah. 
and who Tori Armour drew a absolutely, lot of inspo as well. Just speak a bit about that. Do you follow much of of Astro Boy and the animation style of of Tezuka or anything like that? If I'm honest, I haven't, but I have been doing more so research into like the a- animation studio he founded. So. Mm-hmm. He, he was very involved, not in just manga, but animation production, which is ha- has a massive part in the anime industry. I think one of the studios he helped found was like one of the biggest next to Toei uh, back in that era, like 70s and stuff. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's interesting. There's a there's a, an entire thing called The Curse of Tezuka because the way he got Astro Boy made, yes, yeah. So the way, yeah, the way he got it made was, you know, everyone talks about how insane the production schedules are for Animators, and we can talk about that a bit later. I'd be fascinated to get your opinion on that as an as an artist. But obviously, the way that anime gets made is insanely time crunchy, and the amount of hours worked by the animators is crazy. And also, not much money gets made in the production committee system. We've talked about this a lot before on the podcast. So you can check that out. But basically, this is because the only way to get Astro Boy made, because no one had done TV serialized TV in Japan at the time, Tortesica did it, was to do exactly that and make it run essentially at a loss in many ways just to get it done. And then, of course, that was because it was a formative piece of art. That's just how the industry kept working. But it's fascinating. And also, I suppose we should probably explain the plot of Dragon Ball. What's Dragon Ball about? Do you want to tell us Forgotten Relics? Do you want to give us a little quick crash course in what is Dragon Ball about? Alien boy comes to Earth, but you do not know that for a very long time. He meets an old man who trains him up. In the ways. <laughs> and then as he goes on in his adventures, he meets more and more people and and he just has this sort of aura about him. Uh, like, I don't know, people want to follow him and people want to challenge him a lot. And he just loves fighting, I guess, at the end of the day. <laughs> he loves a good fight. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm, laughs> no, you're I'm, not wrong, honestly. Loves a good scream as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was I mean, always that, a Vegeta girl it. myself. You're a Vegeta fan? Oh, of course. Are you serious? Oh, here we go. Here Absolutely. Go. I... The reason I said that I haven't really, I'm not quite across this topic is because I watched Dragon Ball Z when I was really young, but it had such a profound impact on me. And I think that I haven't rewatched it because I love how it exists in my brain still. Mm. Like it's kind of like this, if I, but apparently according to you, according to a lot of my friends who've rewatched or done Super, I watched a lot of them, it still does hold up. And hearing that you got into it a little bit later and obviously how good is that when you get into something and you have like infinite amounts of series to watch? Cause you're like, this has been running for years. Like <laughs> there's heat. So yeah, I'm jealous. That sounds good. I think Vegeta, I don't know. I think at the time I was super just loving the whole, like he's a bad boy with a heart of gold. Like he's not quite a heart of gold, but you know what I mean? Heart we gold, love a yeah. redemption arc, don't we? Um, no, deep, deep down inside. I think he has a heart of gold. I think. <laughs> totally. I think when I was younger, I was like, I can change him. Um, Bulma could. So good for her. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually interested to know what your favorite character design of a Dragon Ball character is because uh, there's so many favorite character ones. design. Yeah. My goodness. Sorry. Ooh. Like coming to be. Can I be basic and just say Goku? Yeah. Just because like it, like everything about him is just so iconic. Like the, the silhouette of the hair, everything. As soon as you see it, it's just like boom. You know who it is. And um, I guess if I was maybe to do some other ones, I think Frieza is one of those timeless designs. There's just something about him. Like even if I. I I think even before I watched the series, I knew who Frieza was. Like, mm. I honestly can't pinpoint any other series. Maybe um, Pain from Naruto, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that's probably it. Like, it was the one villain. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's Frieza. So, that's probably, I guess, my second favorite. Funny enough, I was reading today, I was doing some, some research. Uh, uh, Toriyama's favorite character design is Piccolo. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's, and also- He needs some love. He does, he does. And the other show, which is quite interesting as well, that came out around the same time and was a co-pro- between Japan and the West was obviously Transformers. 
and also by Toei Animation, 1984, and a co-pro between Marvel Comics and Toei, which I think is really interesting because, again, that's another example of cartoons, which were obviously aimed at kids, but still had a serialized story. Obviously, Optimus Prime is a 40-year spoiler, so... Um, if you if you haven't watched it by now, I'm sorry. Optimus Prime dies in the movie, people, if you haven't watched it. Uh, <laughs> so, I've got to ruin it on 40 years. They've had that chance. But I think it's really interesting that it's so incredible how much Japanese animation, particularly from the 80s, has influenced America and therefore the West entirely in how cartoons are now perceived. You know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, there's a reason we love anime. You know what I mean? It's It's so different. And the West is sort of now catching up. But yeah. Transformers, which is arguably, you know, before, well, alongside Dragon Ball, Pokemon, probably one of, you know, maybe you got, then you got all the Marvel stuff, but that came much later in the nineties with the Saturday cartoons and Saturday cartoons before that was obviously much more Flintstone-y, you know, much more aimed at, at kids. I just think it's really interesting. And so have you got much into Transformers? Did you ever like, if you caught up on that, is that something um, I'll be honest and say- I've only seen like the the live action one or whatever the like the first one years ago by whoever it was who directed Michael it. Bay. <laughs> it was Michael <laughs> was Bay. Fun of him for like too many effects. I can't remember. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. it, Michael Bay. Yeah, I remember when I saw that. I can't remember how old I was. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I know. I know. Like hardcore Transformers fans probably are like, no, that that thing's trash. But like for me, who had like never experienced the series before, I thought that was like the greatest thing mm-hmm. ever. Saw like five or seven times. I love that thing. But yeah, outside that, I think I might have seen the second and third. But the animated series. Yep, haven't touched it. That's I'll be fair. honest. I mean, it's 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 real old. I'll be honest. I don't watch a lot of mecha stuff. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. But also, yeah, the creator of well, this was the first sort of character designer for Transformers. Also created Macross. So, no, oh, interesting. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a small world in the um, animation industry. That's for sure. Absolutely. Like I, I could. Um, oh my goodness, with Toei people, I could go on for a while. <laughs> so after you watch Dragon Ball. And Pokemon, yep. you got into anime. What what came next? What what? I'm obviously you you are an artist, but what drove you into this world and like really studying that? Because I've watched obviously quite a few of your videos now, which are fantastic. By the way, check out the YouTube channel. We haven't plugged that properly yet. Absolutely incredible, such detail. But yeah, the fact that you can go through an episode and know each key animator. I mean, how did you get into that? Well, just about everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Most, yeah. I mean, um, there's, still lot, there's still a lot that haven't been identified. Yeah, no. Um, how, how that all happened, the, the Sakuga love. Honestly, I, I don't think I actually cared too much about that originally until like 2018. So I was in uni mm-hmm. and I was doing my digital media course and I think one of the terms was on animation. And I think I was watching the work of Glenn Keane. I might have talked in this like one of my old videos and that's the first time I think like the beauty of animation like really hit me, you know, putting all these drawings together to create this sequence or like before when i was a kid you just watch animation you're like oh yeah whatever you, you have no idea how much work actually goes into it and this is when i like it sort of clicked in my brain and i think from there i just sort of looked more and more into it there was a, a bit of like information online like on Khan senshu and um you have channels like anime aj who had done a bit of like breakdowns on different animators there wasn't a lot out there but there was enough for me to like sort of get hooked yeah i just want to talk about it myself like i had already done manga and manga breakdowns but then there was one specific animator masaki sato whose work I really loved. I'm like, I got to do a video on this guy. And from there, I'm like, oh, I enjoyed that. That was really fun. I did another one and it it just kind of snowballed from there. 
and I became just kind of obsessed with like the animation side, animation production side of Dragon Ball. I saw um on your channel actually, and it was a bit of a blast in the past from me. But I was like, oh, you're doing Soul Eater like Classic. breakdowns, and I was like, that's so yes. interesting to me. Yeah, I yeah that it. was such a fun, a fun video. video. Yeah, no, it was cool because I um that was one of my favorite shows back in the day, mm-hmm. and I just like one of those ones that really needs uh really needs to be rebooted, I think, or redone. But um, can you talk us through like what you definitely need some love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it. Could be you can have a brotherhood esque moment with that. Although to be fair, the manga ended not so great. But anyway, that's yeah. okay. Could you yeah. talk us through? No, a lot of people have mentioned that in the comments. Incredible character designs, though. Did you see like the art style video, or were you referring to the animation video? I think I saw the art style video. Yes, it's a couple of weeks. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, right. I need to. I need to. It's funny. I did that one as like a follow up. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, oh, no, I should probably on. go back and watch the OG by the sounds of it. So animation and then the character design. Yeah, that's how it was. I did it as like a follow-up because I'm like, oh, a lot of people like the animation one. I should maybe just touch on the series one more time. And then that video somehow managed to do better than the first one. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I like I like spent like a full month and a half, I think, on like the, the first one. The second one was about two weeks. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll take I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no. The YouTube algorithm. Like, uh, we love it, don't we? We love it. Yeah, it's time. interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> and what are your thoughts on CG coming into anime? Obviously, it's a very hot button topic in the community about it. CGI. Oh, it definitely is. It is. I mean, it's a, whew, you want you want to read some dumpster fire comments? Oh my lord! Uh, it's a, they're there. Yeah, there's some definitely some terrible takes on that area. Oof, there are. So, what are your thoughts? Some of this is a very broad question. We can get we can drill down and get more specific. But broad strokes, your thoughts on how anime is blending CGI into the production process. There's so many examples. So for example, you have Attack on Titan many years ago, you had mm-hmm. the scene with Levi and I think it was like modeled in 3D first and they sort of went over it. I'm trying not to, I'm not trying not to spread any misinformation here. I'm trying to remember all these shows <laughs> off the top of my head, but you have other shows like um, Chainsaw Man recently. The opening part of it was done like in Blender first and then sort of drawn from there. So you have, you have a lot of different examples of like where 3D is used. You have plenty examples of directors in the animation industry who are using Blender and whatnot to integrate 3D into the 2D animation process. Honestly, I think it's fine in that respect. I don't mind it. It can help workflow can allow for some more dynamic action but at the same time like full cg works i'm sort of half and half with you have like the recent trigun stampede studio orange they're great i love them but at the same time like for dragon ball would i like something like that probably not i would much prefer it to stick to the 2d realm i mean 3d's been part of the industry for years now and you know we've obviously come a long way but at the end of the day i guess i prefer just like the two to be integrated I'm, i'm not like too excited about full CG works. But at the same time, like the idea that they're poorly made or that it instantly means that the company's cheaping out or something is incorrect. Like, oh, yeah. I think people don't realize how expensive 3D actually is compared to 2D. I also, correct me if I'm wrong, which I very may well be, um, but I think that even when people see, like, and just like the basic anime fan, like myself, sees things and goes, oh, like that's in 2D, it's better, but actually it's a bunch of it is in CG, like a bunch of it that is already kind of like, so just say like that is, is that right? Like most studios now use CG for most things. Oh yeah. Like, like pretty much every studio will use 3D in some regards, but I mean, if they're doing a good job of tricking you, well, that's very good CG. (laughs) Like I got no complaints about Captain Levi and his freaking iconic, you know, chase scene. That's all CG. Well, it's also, there's that, there's that one well, uh, yeah, the base the 3DG. Was. The base wasn't a Drew. Yeah, that was it's pretty good. I can't imagine they had the budget to do that 
the, con- the complete season like that, it would cost a lot of money, I imagine. It looked extraordinary. But, I mean, there's obviously a lot of Sakuga guys out there. I mean, who is who is currently one of your favourite Sakuga artists working in the industry? And for those who don't know, actually, do you want to explain what Sakuga means? There's also a lot of debate around this, but we um, we mentioned it a few times on the podcast. But if you could oh, explain the word it. Sakuga, what does it mean? Yeah, so Sakuga is pretty much like, it, it's, it's been traditionally about like when you see a, a higher quality bit of animation in a show, like there'll be like a particular highlight. But as you said, yeah, it is a bit of a debated term. And yeah, it's, it's more so just like when the animation sort of, exceeds the norm it's not just like lip flaps or something so like all those naruto fights where it was like <laughs> like the one fight at the end of the season where it just looked incredible yeah those, those moments where like the production value goes above and beyond when i never forget levi taking on the beast titan perfect you know also of course demon slayer which we should also talk about in respect to how that how ufo table managed to uh blend cgi but if you're, I'm sure you're reading comments on this season. A lot of people are very upset about how the CG has been for Demon Slayer. So you know, sometimes you can't win. It's very interesting. What are your thoughts on? I mean, how, how especially also not just that, but Heaven's Feel, Fate Zero, Fate Stay Night version as well. UFO Table doing some extraordinary stuff. What are your thoughts on on them as a production studio? Oh, honestly, like they're they're doing a great job at making blockbuster titles. That's for sure. They have a very good process. They don't take on too many titles they're not overburdened there's been a lot more overt cgi parts and as you can imagine a lot of the fandom real upset but it always kind of has been like i feel like demon slayer wears that more in its sleeve than most anime in a good way they kind of made it kind of that mesh that's like sort of iconic in that style maybe certain creatures that look a little bit (laughs) hilarious and like it's also a design thing like they're kind of meant to be a bit like goofy it doesn't bother me. I'm a weird anime watcher where animation is not the most important thing to me. I'm so sorry. I know it's your whole <laughs> channel. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's, I think that's most people, really. I definitely like appreciate it. When it's good, I'm like, that was damn good. But I would definitely take like a storyline characters over it. I think even I, when that colossal titan appeared over the... <laughs> even I was like, you know what? That looks bad. Like that, they, <laughs> they really dropped the ball on that one. But yeah. um, I can see that wit... Uh, Pretty amazing. Like even Spy oh, yeah. Family is like so well animated. Like anything mm. that your does is like they put the Levi filter on that, you know. <laughs> like they're just like go. And who else? Are some of your favorite uh, animation studios right now and Sakuga artists working in the industry at the moment. Oh, working at the moment. Mm. Oh my goodness. Well, one of my all-time favorite animators is uh, Yoshinori Kanada, the legend. He's not the Godfather, but he definitely changed the medium, like in Japan at least. Like he, he just had such a revolutionary approach to a lot of things. And um, even now, his style still lives on through many different artists. Um, current people, I would have to say, uh, he doesn't really do too much anymore, but like he's still one of my favorites. Um, Yoshimichi Kamada, very similar name, often gets confused. And uh, Hiroyuki Imaishi is another favorite. Yeah, I'm just a big fan of like the Kanada school type of animation. Can you explain to, to people what, 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 what has he worked on most specifically that's your favorite, just for, just for those who aren't aware? Oh, um, Yoshimichi Kamada, One Punch Man, like his uh, scene in the first episode where uh, Saitama is fighting the Underdwellers. I think that's a, what they're called. Um, that action scene was just like, I, I think that's another time when I like Sakuga kind of hit me. I'm like, I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is the shit. And Full Metal Alchemist, I haven't actually watched the show. I'm outing myself as a fake anime fan there, but... <laughs> He has, he has done some beautiful stuff there as well. For Brotherhood or for the OG? Because honestly, the OG was- They're both good. Oh, yeah. No, the the original has some some really great stuff as well. But no, um, Brotherhood, he he came on at that yeah, point. I'm pretty sure he did the um, Roy Mustang versus- um, Fight? Last two. Oh, sorry, I'm a 
I'm, I, mean, I think it's actually more like normie to be into Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood these days and to not have watched it. You know, I feel like, mm. like I don't know what's more. Like, I, just, I think it's fine either way. That scene with Saitama, he's amazing, isn't it? It's extraordinary. I mean, that whole first season, of course, you know, Shingo Matsume, a wonderful director as well. Uh, it's it's just so extraordinary. Also, did you watch Vivi Fluorite Eyes' song by any chance that Wit did? With Shingo Natsume. No, I haven't actually. I'd be really interested to hear your opinion on that if you do get a chance to watch it because, yeah, it's Shingo Natsume, the director of, of season one of One Punch Man and Wit, and it's an anime original, but it it looks unbelievable. It's so, so good. It's, it's definitely something worth checking out. The only other show I've watched of Natsume is Sunny Boy, which is- just, How good was Sunny Boy? It, it's a very unique show. So weird. Yes. So, You've seen and, it? Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Super underrated. Like such an artistic vision that he employed. For those who haven't watched Sunny Boy, um, I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast back in one of our seasonal roundups, I can't remember which one, but it's absolutely extraordinary. And yeah, talk about when someone takes a real swing because I think in Western anime, we don't have, there are auteurs of course, but to do a show like Sunny Boy is so weird from a cartoon. You know what I mean? You just don't see that in the West. I think even in the industry, the Japanese animation industry, it's a bit of an outlier. There's something very sort of special, even even the way it came about, like mm. the way Natsumi was just sort of given this project to him and given so much freedom as he had, isn't something you usually see. It definitely left, led to something quite beautiful. Well, one of the things I actually always noticed that um hit me about Sunny Boy was like, it's okay. So one, it's character designs are done by Hisashi Iguchi. He's a He's not. My, I shouldn't say he's one of my all-time favorite artists, but he's he's definitely up there. He's an old-school name, and that's not to be confused with anyone listening with the Dragon Ball guy. Um, someone completely different. Uh, his designs are very nostalgic, but I just love the the color design. It has a very warm color design, very sort of punchy colors. It has a lot of nice flat blue backgrounds, which I I really like. There's something about that that always gets me. You actually have a lot of like different collaborators as well from One Punch Man season one. That a lot of a lot of Natsumi's friends. That come onto the show, which make it a lot of fun. If you've seen Space Dandy before, you'll get a bit of that vibe in there. I don't know if you have or not. Love Space Dandy. Yeah. We've- oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Another great <laughs> show. So good. Awesome. Well, so every episode of Space Dandy, you would almost always go to like a new planet or a new area. And it never explains the races per se. Sometimes it did, but it often left a lot un- unexplained. It was just like really wacky and just threw so much at you. And I feel like that was sort of Sunny Boy. Like every couple of episodes, you're going to like a new realm. And it really did have that flavor to it, I think. And Natsumi directed Space Dandy. So yeah. I, I guess it's um, not too big of a surprise that that, that kind of came through. And of course, him, him collaborating with Wantanabe as well. It's just such a great uh, meeting of the minds. Yes, such a great collab. Oh, man, I really want a season three of that show. Oh, man. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's so sick. And have you have you ex- oh, have you explored man. much of my, uh, Watanabe's work, Cowboy Bebop? No, I, I honestly haven't. Which again, I'm outing myself, but I have not watched <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. It's yeah, or Samurai Champlo. Oh yeah. yeah, good, definitely worth the watch. If you like Space Dandy, yeah, super super cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm keen. Yeah, yeah. I probably did it the other way around. A lot of people probably saw Cowboy Bebop first, then Space Dandy. But yeah, <laughs> hey, look, you know, marching to beat your own drum, it's good. So. <laughs> So, like, yeah, again, back on the CG thing, I find it interesting because obviously we know how much of a time crunch anime is. Actually, we could talk about that a little bit because the animation industry, Japanese animation industry, is is brutal, right? It's very hard to work in. It's in in fact, they're even doing a lot of work with overseas artists now. Yeah, like outsourcing and whatnot. So, I mean, I guess if CG makes something look a little bit less good but gets the show made. 
I don't know. I mean, I, to me, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? But within reason, there are some which are. What was that? What was that horrible show that came out that everyone trolled? Um, Exxon. Exxon. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Exxon. Yeah, it yeah. got you wrong. <laughs> just the just horrendous, like you know, embarrassingly bad. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you think? Would you rather have a show made and have it with a little bit less? I mean, Dragon Ball didn't employ much CGI because it didn't exist back then, right? Or am I wrong about that? It existed in some capacity back then, but it wasn't what we have now. Yes. But no, I don't, yeah, I don't, the, the, I don't, it wasn't employed in the old movies at all. But it would have been in Super, right? Of course. Super definitely used it, right? Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on Super? Like, obviously, again, it's a good example of that. Like, so I know a lot of fans were very upset about how much CG was employed in Super, but were you happy to have it or would you rather, <laughs> a lot of like, Purists, I'm using inverted comma fingers for people who uh, aren't watching this. We're like, oh, you know, it's not it's just, you know, I'd rather they never made it. Is, is that what you, like, what do you think about it? Oh, uh, honestly, I, I, my concern wasn't so much about the CG as more so about the, um, the character designs and like the color design to the show. Um, that was more so my main gripe is like, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it's in the past. We've moved on to like a new character designer, but like at the time that was sort of my thing. It was like, why does this look so aesthetically different to what's come before? And yeah, that that was more so my main thing. I felt that way about Trigon because I'm a massive Trigon fan. Like one of my favorite shows ever is the original Trigon. And obviously when Stampede came out, I was having that, I was that angry keyboard warrior. <laughs> On Reddit. <yeah. laughs> like again, Studio Orange did one of my favorite shows, Land of Lustrous. I'm pretty certain they animated that as well, which is CG. Yeah, they and like, did. Yeah, in the end, you're kind of like, that was pretty good, but you know, kind of like actually, oh, they're pretty good. I ended up enjoying Stampede. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a different take. And I think it's, it's at the point where I'm like, I, the original Trigon will always be there for me to enjoy. I can read the manga if I really want to do it. You know, if I really want the full story, I'll read the manga. I can watch the original or I can watch this kind of reimagining of the show, which is kind of interesting. So a part of me, I do understand the feeling of, particularly when it comes to character designs, mm. like if Wolford didn't look as good as he did, I would have probably started a riot, you know? <laughs> like I probably would have, I don't even know what I've done. I'm devastated beyond belief. I, I saw some people complaining about him. I, I swear someone in my comments said something that looks like an e-boy or something. I can't remember. And I was like, nah, he looks okay. He appealed to me, so that's a worry for me. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> e-boy, sure. Can help. Let's do it. Uh, no, I th- yeah, no, I, I thought it looked fine. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like, I still way prefer the old one. That, that's understandable. The, the designs are pretty different like if they change goku's like iconic hairstyle or something i'm sure there'd be like people up in arms so yeah no i definitely understand like the fan reaction to the designs being changed i get that that's yeah. just hairstyle it's a big big deal that was a big deal big deal on reddit that, that oh, well, God. reddit was, a, was a, a terrible and wonderful place to be simultaneously as it often is yeah so what are you looking forward to most now are you you have to Attack on Titan, you're looking forward to the final season. What are your thoughts on the transition from Wit to Mappa? Especially a lot of people were upset about the CG around the Titans in particular. How did you find that? Um, Honestly, maybe I'm in the minority, but like I think all things considered, especially considering like what an insane time crunch they had, the CG was fine for the most part. There were very few times like it kind of like really stuck out for me. Of course, ideally in the perfect world, I would have loved if Wit continued it only like for the sake that like in my mind, I like, some sort of visual consistency. I really love the, the the art style they had with there and the old character designs. But um, of course, the new team are very talented and skilled and have done a great job. So many many sleepless nights, unfortunately, with that. But yeah, anyone who had doubts about their animation, the latest episode that came out, that kind of was incredible. 
the latest. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah before the next so season. you could kind of, it was like, what was that final part 10 <laughs> section three? Like, yeah. Whatever we're at now. Subsection three. Yeah. One thing I will say is that why does the guy look like Megamind? What's his name? Pixis. Pixis. Why does he look like Megamind? <laughs> That's one thing. Oh, Pixis. They really dropped the yeah, ball his on his Yeah, his head was looking a bit big. Actually, come to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just sure. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay. Like, just looked bizarre. Yeah, was Gene bizarre. had a glow up. Uh, so, you know what? Honestly, like, I'm, not, I'm not all like, I'm not like, like reel up on like every like uh, all, all the animation directors and all the animators on that show, but I'm sure I'm sure we could eventually find out who it is and, and why that happened. But yeah, I mean, we already had like an, an insanely tight and messy production behind the scenes with Attack on Titan and passing it off to Mappa. Well, unfortunately, they didn't have much of a, a change either, so they had a they had a pretty big mess laid on their plate. Just so full on as well, obviously animating every show under the sun. Oh man, Jujutsu Kaisen looks good though. They yeah, they've taken job. away too much. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. And like, honestly, obviously, whoever their employees are, the animators are obviously just obscenely talented, hardworking people. We've talked about the industry before, and I guess it's it's pretty rough out there. One thing with my channel, I I, I try like when, when it comes to highlighting different individuals, I I really hope I try and. I don't know, people can sort of like understand how much time and effort goes into them and just, yeah, just know some of the talented people behind the scenes really and just um, know that they're slaving away for very low pay and, you know, yeah, they deserve a spotlight. Is it something you would consider doing? Because obviously there's now more scope for international workers to work in the animation industry, especially online. Is it something you've considered doing? I mean, yeah, I've definitely considered it, but like just – Oh man, like, okay, so there's like the language barrier, but just like the insane amount of work you have to put in and like the amount of pay you get in return hasn't been the most ideal. So, I mean, while I think I would love to work on an anime one day, like to get to that stage is just like a a bit of a trial. So, I don't know. And so, what is next for you? So, you... Do you make your own work in Australia? Where can people, obviously, where can people find you? Obviously, Forgotten Relic's YouTube channel, uh, you can all check it out. But yeah, just tell us what's next for you and what's going on. For me at the moment, I'm sort of just like continuing on with YouTube and I do like commissions on the side. At the moment, I'm like doing like a book for someone. So there's always like a project I'm sort of busy with, which makes YouTube a little hard at times. But I, I'm usually usually balancing those two at once. So I don't know. What's in the future for me? I guess do some of my own animations. I would really like to do my own animations or like manga one day and just, I don't know, just like make enough like revenue off YouTube that I can continue to do this like as like kind of like my part-time job almost. Honestly, I'm I'm satisfied with that. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. What's great. Well, mate, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. It was absolutely fantastic and so good to get the perspective of an artist and because again it's something we don't really touch on too much in our channel and on our, on our podcast but it's been so great to chat to you and hoping to chat to you further as we move along and i cannot wait to see what you do and love your channel check out forgotten relics on youtube it's it's such a great channel such an in-depth look at the actual process of japanese animation and mate honestly thank you so much for taking the time we appreciate it no that's all good man thanks for having me